Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. My number one album. Big shocker to me. Also folklore. Whoa. Are you ready to dive into all things Taylor Swift? Good for a Weekend is the ultimate podcast for any Swiftie. With new episodes dropping bi-monthly, as well as bonus episodes to give you real-time reactions to the latest rumors and news, it's your one-stop shop for all things T-Swift. We also love connecting with our fellow Weekenders, so be sure to connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and or Discord to share all your Taylor thoughts. Good for a Weekend is available wherever you get your podcasts. I know. Folklore just is that. Like, it's a perfect album. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I talk to artists about the single artwork that's most inspired them. I'm Adam Ons at Spark Parade on all social media. How the hell you doing? Hope you had a good week. Man, have I got a good show for you. Coming up a bit later on, I'm going to be talking to singer-songwriter Henry Hall about his love for Animal Collective's seminal album, Meriwether Post Pavilion. That is pretty exciting, and uh, it'll be coming your way very shortly. First of all, I just need to remind you, the election, the American election, for those of you who are not in this country, is coming up on Tuesday. This fucking Tuesday. It feels like we've been waiting, mm, I don't know, four years for this uh, day to come along. And now it's finally here. So vote, 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 vote if you haven't already. I'm going to remind you again later on. But we'll leave that aside for the moment. Let's talk about this week's spectacular guest. Some facts about Henry Hall. He is a Los Angeles native who makes one-of-a-kind alternative pop. His music features his captivating falsetto paired with his witty idiosyncratic lyrics, and his music is self-deprecating and soulful. His debut full-length album, Nito, is out right now, and it is a culmination of his disturbingly funny and catchy brand of indie rock. And I talked to Henry about Meriwether Post Pavilion, some facts about that album. It is the eighth studio album by American experimental pop group Animal Collective, released in January of 2009. It moved away from the band's guitar-heavy sound and focused on electronic samples and sounds. It is the band's most successful album to date. According to review aggregate site Metacritic, it is the most critically acclaimed album of 2009, and it went on to sell over 200,000 copies. And there you go. Uh, Henry is a great guy, super passionate about this album. It was so much fun to talk to him. And it was an absolutely delightful conversation, as you will discover right now. Here comes my chat with Henry Hall about Meriwether Post Pavilion. So, Meriwether Post Pavilion. Um, yes. Do you remember who turned you onto this album, or did you discover it by yourself? Yeah, I discovered it by myself uh <laughs> not not to give myself all the credit but um yeah I, I did discover it for the first time by myself but my friend Robbie in college really sort of enlightened me to how special it was hmm. uh he had the vinyl pretty early on like our I think it was this album came out right before I went to college and it became an, a, a, the 
it sort of started to hold the importance that it does now to me probably like the end of my freshman year sophomore year of college like 2000 whatever 11 something like that and um i always loved the album but i had sort of never really talked to anyone about whether or not it was um like whether i was crazy for (laughs) thinking it was as good as it was um and I also remember too. I thought that it. I thought that it was old. It seemed, especially once I started talking to people about it, I was like, "Oh yeah, no, this had to have come out like you know, ten years ago at least, or something." But um, it was new because it, it was spoken about with such reverence by like music music people who I was hanging out with um, that I was that I figured it had to have some. Uh, you know, a little bit of a vintage quality to it, but, but no, it's like immediately became sort of like a, a a classic sort of real music person's album pretty pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Were you an Animal Collective fan before that or was this You know, not really, man. I mean, like, honestly, for me, like, there's only like two or three artists who I'm, familiar with their entire catalog you know i'm a very um singular like album listener Mm -hmm. i have there are many bands who i just kind of i find i'm i'm um exposed to one album of theirs and i just stick to it yeah you know yeah um and that's sort of the case with this one uh with animal collective at least uh I'm a, I'm a I'm a pretty big panda bear fan mm-hmm. um who's uh I forget his real name but uh <laughs> uh he he's you know he's one of the two vocalists primary vocalists in the group right. um and uh his style of singing is incredibly influential to me as is Abby Tears. um but yeah Noah Lennox Noah Lennox panda bear. yes yeah. yes yeah. Um, but I, I don't think, I mean, I think, uh, especially with this band, that's not an unusual thing. This mm-hmm. album was such a like lightning in a bottle moment. Um, and it's their most successful album still. Yeah. Yeah. And I was reading kind of snarky, uh, reviews, but also, um, people kind of reminiscing about that album mm-hmm. saying they don't know if animal collective are ever going to, uh, achieve that specific, mix of elements again yeah. um and uh yeah it it was uh i think kind of a, a confluence of a lot of other influences things from their first few eps and mm-hmm. from the past albums that it was like combining um the more experimental stuff with a bit more of a pop sensibility but even yeah. then i think this is a weird album this isn't like totally. you know it's not like radio no, hits, um, no at certainly all. not yeah yeah i i totally agree i mean i think that there's something you know i i have listened to their other albums i'm just not honestly as big yeah. of a fan yeah, yeah. of them um or i am a big fan of the other albums but they don't hold uh the significance that this one does for me um you know yeah they, they to me sometimes you know they can like you were saying it's like they can kind of lean a little too experimental or like lean a little too hard into the you know one vamp on a song you mm-hmm. know they'll make the, a song will be eight minutes when it should be three right you know um 
but on this album it, to me every decision that they make in terms of like the direction that they could go like their sort of arsenal of tools like of what makes the band good they make the right decision every single time right um, and and yeah it's lightning in a bottle is a is a good way to put it it definitely feels feels like that it feels special yeah and i don't know if it's like that change in personnel you know the uh losing the lead guitarist mm-hmm. who's kind of taking taking a break and having to think think outside the box uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um and make decisions about how they were going to fill that void and if they were going to like bring in another guitarist or just try to do something completely different totally and, I'm glad that they didn't go guitar bass, <laughs> really, you know? I mean, that's something that's uh, crucial. Like, it's a really, like, one of the elements of the record that, that makes it unique is for, I was trying to think of a good way to describe this, but to me, the instrumentation on the album, the melodic instrumentation outside of, like, the percussion, I mean, it, it's it sounds like sound. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, you know, you're not... You rarely are you going, up oh, there's a guitar, up oh, there's a piano, up oh, there's right. a horn or whatever it might be. The synth textures, you know, they're they're sort of obviously synthetic, but they also sort of sound like found noises mm-hmm. as well, you know? Yeah. Um and so it's simultaneously uh you know, very it's it sounds very fabricated because like it's these synthetic sounds, but it also sounds really natural because you don't mm-hmm. quite know what it is. And it feels like you're, that's what you feel like when you're walking around in life. Right. You don't necessarily know what every little creak, crackety noise of things is happening around you. And like that, I, I find that to be like such a powerful part of the album. And then speaking of the guitar thing, you brought how the guitar player um, isn't, you know, he left for this record I actually heard a uh, demo of uh, Guys, mm-hmm. that song on the on the record. Guys Eyes, sorry. I heard a very weird uh, demo, sort of like live demo of that song that Panda Bear did on like a Portuguese radio station because he actually lives in Portugal. Oh, yeah. Um, in Lisbon. And he did a, uh, what seems to be a live take of this song in like 2000. 2008 and you can mm-hmm. hear some of like the melodic ideas and some of the lyrics like i really want to do what my body wants to which is like one of the best lyrics on the album mm-hmm. um he's kind of like repeating that and you can tell he's trying to figure out what the song's going to be a little bit right right but the arrangement is is kind of like meh, indie rock arrangement it's guitar mm-hmm. fully guitar based even like the ethereal noises are like come from like a delay pedal and like some plucking of like the strip, you know, like the head of the guitar, like those strings up there and like uh pretty basic, like kind of spacey regular drum kit. And then like the song becomes this like you know, on the album, it's so different. It's like this tri synthetic tribal uh percussion, you know, banging, like deep cut. And it's so interesting. And it also didn't happen in that. I mean, like, unless he was simultaneously, I mean, like this live performance that I'm talking about is, I think, 2008, maybe 2007. And then this Mm. is, then the record is 2000, is it nine? Nine, nine, yeah. yeah. 
So anyway, yeah. Yeah, but I, I feel like that was the case with a lot of the material from this album because there's a, a, a lot of stories like that where people saw, um, like Brother Sport was yeah. played out yep. constantly for years before uh, it was released and it was kind of like working out the kinks but developing um you know i think that's a an indication of how much work and how much thought went into exactly what they wanted it to sound like completely that it was just like this constant um working and reworking of these sounds yeah. and layering samples and um just figuring out the exact uh, combination that was going to make the, the the perfect uh album and Ugh, yeah. you know it, it paid off um i love that that's a great description like i i the idea of like refining you know you have the idea of a song right and then you it's sort of your job as the recording artist to arrange it and produce it and record it in the best possible way that's gonna bring the song to light in the best possible way and i think that that's what they did on this record and I've had experiences like that in um, playing live. I mean, like uh, on my new album, the, there are a number of songs that I've played live for years and years and years. Mm. Um, not years and years and years. <laughs> like I'm, I'm 50 years old, but like for, you know, like five years. Mm. And um, when I went into the studio, I really had a clear idea of, what worked and what didn't and what was going to be appropriate for uh for that song from like an arrangement and recording perspective so yeah and in a way i guess you know they're different disciplines but it makes me think of like a comedian mm -hmm. trying out material on the road and like yeah. getting a set together and yeah. kind of seeing not, not only what feels good when they're playing it in front of a crowd but hearing the crowd's response to what's happening yeah. all of those kinds of things too totally um, yeah and then and then it becomes it's like all right this thing you know this joke kills it's going to make it right, in the special right. this exactly. joke yeah. maybe doesn't probably get cut from the special yeah, yeah. totally same, same, yeah. same idea for sure right and also to me the the album as a whole the kind of lingering abstract elements that have come from you know their their earlier stuff mm -hmm. there's there's elements of it that feel quite uh hypnotic to me there's you know there Certainly. is a little bit of repetition there is a little bit of that kind of almost meditative quality and it's the kind of thing that i can imagine like to me this song is like uh, this album is like a walk in the woods on a sunny mm -hmm. day mm -hmm. like um it feels it's exactly what you said it's like that that uh intersection between the synthetic and the natural yes um that it feels like something that you know it was made in a studio and that it's all totally produced uh or you know mostly produced by machines but that it could just as easily have been made with like sticks <laughs> you know that's so true man for sure it's it's i love the intersection of the natural and synthetic is is great like that is what the album sounds like to me. And in my, my experience listening to that, I, I sort of uh, like that's a, I have a projection of that in my own experience because I really associate this album both with New York City, where I used to live, and with Los Angeles, where I'm from. Mm. Um, in LA, when I listen to this album, there, there's a road uh, in sort of North LA, like Malibu called Canaan road mm. and it connects basically the coast to the 101 which is like a little more inland mm -hmm. and it's the most stunning beautiful 
it's probably my favorite drive like in the entire world and i love driving so that's saying something (laughs) and um i every single time i drive on that road i i get to this album and i play through the entire thing as i drive it and it's uh this landscape that's like sort of you know it's like it's a winding road like through these california mountains you can see the ocean sometimes and then other times you can and it's a little bit scary the drive because it's you're going like this through yeah 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 (laughs) the mountains and people are driving fast and um it's it's like it's an exhilarating experience but you're also like enveloped in the in the natural world so i get the sort of natural experience right like listening to the record when i'm doing that drive but then i also when i was living in new york i would you know with i would take my phone out and and listen to this record walking around the upper west side like all the time Mm -hmm. for hours just listen to it um and it fits perfectly like on the crowded streets of New York as well, right. you know, like among the fucking concrete and there's not, yeah. you know, there's yeah. no like mountainous, <laughs> right. you know, uh, landscape anywhere in sight. Uh, so that, yeah, that speaks to their ability um, to like combine those those two sides of the spectrum for sure. Yeah. And I guess that that is uh, absolutely right, that that feeling of exhilaration doesn't need to just exist, you know, purely in the natural world. And, yeah. You know, this I'm, I'm in New York um, right now and oh, nice. the, the feeling of the city definitely, uh, you know, power walking everywhere. Everybody's, yeah. you know, got some place to be. Yeah. And the feeling of exhilaration that comes from this album de- definitely lends itself to that kind of energy, too. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I, both both implicitly and explicitly, too, because they're, they literally have your summertime clothes is like about walking around in New York in the summer. Right. Uh, right. Which some people loathe. I love doing personally. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but same. I love the nastiness of this, the sweaty walking around and then like taking a cold shower after is like, I love it. Um, and like when, you know, when he says like my forehead is leaking, my AC squeaks, uh, take the, he's like something or something, smell that trash, (laughs) you know? And you're like, Oh my God, like there's something, uh, it's very simple tune. And like the lyrics are really literal. Mm Mm-hmm. But, like, it still speaks to, like, the poetry of the experience of walking around New York, like, at, especially at night, like, in the summer, you know? It's a it's a trip. Yeah. yeah. But then I, but then also the rest of the album just vibe-wise fits, even though it's not every song isn't about New York City. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love that, like, they're a New York band. Mm-hmm. Like, I think it's so cool. Like, they're from space. Yeah. But they're actually from New York. <laughs> right, right. You know, and, which I love. Yeah. And these sounds like, I don't know if it's my own prejudice, but it doesn't like, that's not the, the sound that I think of when, when somebody says like, describe a New York band. Give, completely. You know. Yes. Um, but it still totally fits. And it's like, um, it's just a different version of what a New York band is. Yes. That's, that's so true. Yeah. Like, you know, you, whatever you're like, what, like what's a New York band? It's like, I don't like, the Ramones, right? You know? <laughs> yeah, like yeah, I don't yeah, know, yeah. And, like and and <laughs> the, the, yeah, this this out it couldn't be further from the Ramones, right. you know, this record, right? Or well, actually, though, you could argue that there are some things that are like the Ramones, yeah, <laughs> on yeah, the yeah, album, yeah, you know, like the melodic sensibility, like the lullaby esque mm-hmm. vocal melodies are Ramones, 
E. Like the Ramones melodies are literally just lullabies. It's like a, a two-year-old child yeah. can have that song stuck in their head and sing along to it. And same goes for like these tunes as well. So maybe, I don't know, maybe there's something there. Maybe that, yeah. that that's our next interview. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I just think like the... Um getting back to this kind of the the experimental nature of the songs uh incorporating you know strange noises like thing really unexpected sounds yeah i think it's really striking that this album was so successful and mm. was this like era defining thing yeah when on you know face value it doesn't seem it's not like a britney spears album it's not something that's like completely accessible to to everyone yes um and i kind of love that about it too it makes me happy when things that are a little uh left of center Mm -hmm. can can achieve that kind of popularity yeah i think yeah I, i agree i mean the you can hear i mean you know the the album i i guess my girls is real is the most popular song from mm-hmm. the record it's like used in movies and stuff yeah um and it i think it i think it has the most plays of any mm-hmm. of the tunes from their album like on spotify at least but yeah i mean i i think that it definitely to me like you know having a successful indie record and mm-hmm. indie in that like it's not a, a pop album i mean who who put this out domino right yes domino yeah, so so yeah, so it is an, an indie record in that way because it's released by an indie label. But like, it's sort of to me like when there's a big indie record like this or like Vecinamist or like what you know, I don't know, I can't think of any other examples right now. But like, it sort of like wins the indie world, you know? Like everyone sort of co-signs it. Like, yes, this album is a classic; it's amazing, and then it steps up into the uh, like it starts to get into mainstream too and it's like okay how far can it make it in the mainstream you know right. and it didn't it never like transcended like the way the weekend did or something like that but uh you know it had moderate success uh mainstream wise and but i think because like it permeated through the it, indie music world and also came out at a really great time for indie music i think mm-hmm. you can still hear in a lot of indie records the of uh, the synth sounds and the experimental sounds that are used in this album like they're mm-hmm. the chimey like arpeggiated synth yeah. sounds and the bass sounds as well like they sort of it's this uh you know it's like electronic bass but it's not an 808. I mean, I'm sure they did use some 808s, but it doesn't have like the classic 808 right. sound. Right, right, right. So the, uh, and I think that that palette is like very useful to a lot of indie bands to this day who like incorporate like electronic elements. Like you can really hear, I think, some of the, a lot of the sounds on this album in Vecadabest, the Grizzly Bear album. Like a yeah. lot of those. What's that? What's that instrument that Ed Drosty plays? It's like a. It's so freaky. I forget what it's called. Um, shit. It's like it ha, It's like a, basically like an electronic harpsichord. But anyway, that that the just a lot of like the dynamics of the their synths like are still evident like in in indie music today. I I think for sure. Yeah. 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 Stuck around. Right. And I, I can't imagine. I don't know. I, I would say that I 
I'm sure, you know, from a label standpoint and from the people who uh, can make money off of a band, the pressure to like replicate that success is, is huge. Yeah. But to be honest, like I obviously don't know the members of Animal Collective. I'm, I'm, yeah. I can't get into their heads, but they really don't seem like they gave too much of a fuck. Like they, the no, they next albums shit. that they've made, they just kept putting out whatever they wanted to and yeah. it didn't ever have the same success, but it didn't seem like they were, you know, disappointed, like chasing after the no. same kind of sound. Yeah. Um, completely. I mean, I, th- yeah, they also like, they're famous for not playing what anyone wants to hear when they play live. Right. You know, <laughs> which I think is ca- pretty admirable. I think mm-hmm. both, both decisions are admirable. Like, I yeah. think it's very admirable when bands are like, we are going to play the hits for you guys because that's what you want to hear. That's what you paid for. Here you go. Like, it does kind of suck for us, but like, sure, here you go. Like, that's like good on you to, to bands who do that. And then the other side of the spectrum, like Animal Collective, when they're like, uh, this is our show. We're going to do what right. we want it because we're right. here to get f- to be fulfilled artistically. And that's the most important thing. Like, I get that, too, you know. So yeah. um, and it's also true to what they've always been doing, you know, like in the early 2000s when they were playing like fucking, you know, Bowery Electric mm-hmm. right. <laughs> or something or like Mer- like can you imagine like seeing like fucking Animal Collective at like Mercury Lounge in like 2004 it's insane to me you know? know like and then they were in like dog masks banging on guitars with drumsticks right. and like putting it into like a looper machine and like that was the show you know and yeah. Geologist is wearing his his headlamp and stuff so They've stayed true to what, you know, and it's not like they were playing any song. They were doing whatever they wanted then. Right. So, and they're still doing whatever they want during the show. So, right. uh, you know, even post after Meriwether Post Pavilion. So it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, you get validation from working your way up from these tiny little venues to yeah. being like this enormous band. And it kind of gives you the freedom to say today this is what we want you to hear. Right. Take it or leave it. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. I love the take it or leave it attitude. It's so, it's great. I mean, yeah, dude, like the, the, uh, when I, I've seen them a number of times and you know, they, <laughs> I can sort of tell that, the, you know, they want to like kind of piss it, have, they have that little punk mm-hmm. attitude, the take it or leave it thing. And they're like playing, some random ass song off of like centipede hz or like strawberry jam or something you know and, right, and people right. are like what the hell is going on and then but you know they're also performers so they can't help it but be like okay we're gonna play brother sport right, <laughs> you <right>. know like <laughs> yeah, they do yeah, give yeah. in a little bit which i think is like kind of endearing yeah yeah but it's also like that that is uh another thing is like they have kind of alternated between uh the albums that have you know songs that people have in their collection on heavy rotation yes and then albums that are uh, you know further out there that are not going to appeal to the people who are only into the biggest albums right um and it's like a body of work you know yeah man they're real artists like truly truly yeah and you know they don't so so it went strawberry jam 
mm-hmm. which was sort of the precursor to to Meriwether post pavilion. It was like leaning yeah. a little experiment, like I would say, like Peace Bone, Fireworks, uh, like Cuckoo, maybe Cuckoo Cuckoo, Winter Wonderland, like you know those songs aren't filler but the uh, rest of them kind of are a little bit i mean it you know Mm -hmm. it's up for debate i guess but not the whole it it isn't like the whole album bangs and is like skipless yeah and then they hit you with mary weather post pavilion you know which is 11 songs that every single one is a, a masterpiece really right uh and then centipede hz and then they've done Pretty much, oh no, I guess Tangerine Reef from 2018. Yeah. And Painting With. Painting I mean, With. That, that, again, because it's the same three guys yeah. who made Meriwether Post Pavilion that people were thinking that it was just going to be a sequel. And in yeah. a way, that's almost like, uh, Painting With is almost like their most poppy album. It's like, got, you know, taking uh, all of the most commercial instincts, instincts to an extreme. It's still got weird shit on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't it didn't resonate in the same way it wasn't no. it hasn't like you know uh people it didn't appeal to people in the same way which i think is interesting that it's like a weirder album became the more weird mainstream one yeah no totally and and i think also like their success uh as individual artists mm-hmm. or or their branching off as individual uh, individual artists and then having success sort of led i, I animal collective fans like in the directions that they were going, you know, like I, mm-hmm. you know, like person pitch comes out or like whatever, like this Panda Bears solo catalog is pretty popular. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like people weren't, you know, it was almost like uh, painting with comes out and it's people are like, oh, cool, but like I can just listen to like this the most recent like Avi Tear or like Panda Bear record, right? You know. Right. Um, like I think what was that one Um, yeah the album that has boys Panda Bear Panda Bear meets the Grim Reaper Mm. from 2015 Mm -hmm. I mean that album I mean I might be tripping I don't know what the numbers are but like to me that one sort of like made uh, the biggest splash of anything since Meriwether yeah Uh, like yeah boys Latin was like a really popular song Mm -hmm. Uh, it has 8 million plays Spotify, you know. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at this uh, quote from a Quietus um, review of mm-hmm. painting with calling mm-hmm. it absolute dog shit from start to finish. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> <laughs> they were probably like, okay, cool. We'll play through painting with for the entire yeah. show. The whole, yeah. we're gonna play the whole album front to back. Yeah, that is just uh, a breathtaking uh, phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Really just, uh, yeah, master, master of the English language there. It's nice. Yes. Um, That's great. I think that is is a a lovely sentiment on which to end. (laughs) Absolute dog shit. I agree. uh, this was so much fun. I, yeah, I, man. I, really I hope time. I didn't ramble too much. No. I get I get a little nope. like abstract, spacey when I talk about this album. So no, no, no. This is okay. the good stuff. We want cool. uh, we want passion. So, good, good, uh, good. Yeah, good. great, cool. great, man. All right, I, I really enjoyed this. Thank you. For, yeah, me I feel too. like I went to therapy a little bit. I, <laughs> I feel feel some catharsis. Yeah, excellent, great, cool, man. All right, great, great talking. Thanks to you. a lot. Adam. Take care. See you later. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.
Yay! Thanks again to Henry. His debut full-length album, Nito, is out now. I'm going to post a link to that in the show notes. Okay, the moment we've all been waiting for, my inspiring artwork of the week. Uh, Luca Guadagnino, who directed Call Me By Your Name and Suspiria, has a new TV show on HBO called We Are Who We Are. It is amazing. Uh, The biggest star in it is Chloe Sevigny, but it's really about a couple of kids. A little blurb of description here. Two American kids who live on a U.S. military base in Italy explore friendship, first love, identity, and all the messy exhilaration and anguish of being a teenager. And those kids are played by Jack Dylan Grazer, who you may recognize from Shazam and It, although he is completely different in this. And newcomer Jordan Christine Simone, who is absolutely incredible. Um, This show is really unusual. The tone of it is really strange. It's a little bit abstract, which I love. Jack Dylan Grazer, who, if you've seen him, he played the best friend in Shazam. He is an incredible actor. I, uh, the character that he plays is really annoying. He's this twerpy teenage kid who's quite spoiled, but he's such a good actor that he makes this kind of annoying character really compelling. And I'm really into it. The way that it portrays the teenage experience feels very real and you should all check it out. I don't think it's available outside of the US right now, but um, it should be coming everywhere soon if it's not available where you are right now. Okay, that is my big recommendation for the week. Uh, Just a little reminder, vote, 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 vote. It is so important. This is such a consequential election. Please, please, if you're able to vote in the United States and you haven't voted yet, do it. Be safe, but vote as soon as you can. And uh, vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And that's it. That's all I got for you. Uh, Enjoy your week. Stay safe. Take care of yourself. Until next time. Bye. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.